DKS10 is powered by Meme Global, a video marketing and advertising solution for entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, the podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. Dot ZA or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu ZA or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu ZA. One of the most challenging aspects of building digital products today is finding a technical founder. While in some instances the entrepreneur himself or herself will be the technical founder, in many instances it's not. So I reached out to Roger Norton, the CEO of PlayLogix, to unpack exactly what they offer in, as a technical founder and how a technical founder like PlayLogix plays a role in building digital scalable products in a digitally enabled economy. So without further ado, let's get the show started. This is Matt Brown from Digital Kung Fu, and today we are going to bring the Thunder Baby. That's right, because today we have a very, very special uh, guest on the line. Um, backstory to this particular guest is that we actually met uh, back in 2009 in West Palm Beach in the United States uh, while we were uh, gallivanting around on super yachts and so forth and living the life of the rich and famous. I don't know what's happened since then, <laughs> but um, I would say also that he's largely responsible for some of um, my best worst hangovers and living memory, <laughs> so I have much to say about the man. Um, so at, at, after a very long and laborious uh, introduction, uh, his name is Roger Norton, so Roger, welcome buddy, nice to have you here. Thanks, great to be here. Cool. So. Um, let's start with PlayLogix, I guess. Um, would it be accurate to describe your company as something of a startup or company builder? Yeah, at, at our core, we're a software development house that builds solely standalone technology products, um, and that leads to heavy focus on startups. Um, that's from my experience, my history. So we're a tech, tech dev house that builds for startups. Okay, cool. Um, and for those of us that don't know the startup world, you know, inside out like you do, um, what kind of makes you guys different? Because there's obviously, you know, accelerators and incubators and these kind of things. What, how do you kind of define your point of difference there? Okay, so an incubator is there just to support a business, to give the context, uh, the grounding for it, to sort of help give the, the business accounting and internet and office space and those sort of things that it needs to help it grow. An accelerator is there to literally accelerate the business where they run three or six month programs. They bring in a bunch of experts and they try and move the business forward whatever, in whatever way that means um, as quickly as possible, normally ending in some kind of funding round or, or demo. Um, for us, we're, we're more of a startup studio, um, which is a self-defined word, um, really to articulate that we're here to provide support services to startups and, and help them grow. But in reality, we act as a technical co-founder or technical part partner mm -hmm. to help entrepreneurs identify and realize their ideas and actually build those products and take them to market. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because when you look around um, the world that we live in today, it's like Airbnb, you know, there's Uber. There's lots of disruption ha happening from a digital product 
platform, obviously business model as well, point of view. Um, and um, I, I just wanted to find out from you, is that driving a lot of interest from guys who are looking to kind of now start businesses and, you know, they, they're hearing all the amazing things and the valuations <laughs> of these companies today and they're going, shit, you know, we want to get part of the pie. Um, so um, are you getting a lot of interest these days? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of activity. There's, there's a lot of people having idea of what they want built. But I suppose one of the things that makes us different is I do a lot of anti-sales of telling people they shouldn't build software. Because if you look at Uber, for example, what makes Uber so unique is not the fact that they have an app. It's the fact that they don't own the drivers. It's the business model that's unique. And the, the tech is just the personification of that business model. So the big difference between us and a normal software dev house or a lot of other programs is we'll actually encourage you not to build tech until you need to build it. So you don't build it when you want it. You, you build it when you absolutely have to meet, when, when you have to scale your business model um, beyond what you can manually, manually handle. So the process that we run through is around training entrepreneurs to identify the problem and their solution and really make sure that you've got that right before you build the technology to take it to market. It's not about building technology up front. The, the success of a startup is very rarely up down to the technology, but it's always down to the business model. So getting that right is more important than building tech. It's the strategy, right? Yeah, it's it's the strategy. It's it's the, the feedback you get from the customers. It's how you solve the problem for the customers and how you provide the value to them. Um, and, and if you can't understand that in a non-tech way, how are you going to understand that if you're trying to do that by tech? And, and, and the underlying principles of what your, what your customers are giving you and what you're providing for them in return for that, um, it's understanding that mechanic that becomes really key. And, and there's various lean startup principles and exercises that you can run through mm-hmm. to help you drill down to what are those underlying drivers that make your business work. Mm-hmm. And you've got to identify those before you start building tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to be really clear that those are working and have some kind of data to show that those work mm-hmm. um, before you start building software. Because software is expensive. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, um, it's a money pit in some instances because you're always refining and trying to get to a place where your customer experience is optimum, you know. <laughs> and that's very much data and feedback driven. So you've got to be in the market and it's iterative and so it goes, you know. So every time you're doing a new release, it's, you know, it costs money. So hopefully you're selling something while you're going through that whole, uh, that whole process. As they say, measure twice, cut once. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll say it. I must remember that one. Note, note taken, note taken. Um, I wanted to ask you, I get approached a lot by guys with, um, with business ideas, put it this way. Um, they're not necessarily looking for digital products to be built, but they, you know, they have an idea, you know, and they're obviously passionate about the idea. Uh, oftentimes, uh, it hasn't really been thought out from start to finish to your point. Um, how do you, you know, in what instances do you actually push the go button? You know, is it because I don't, you know, do, do you burn a lot of time upfront consulting with these guys, getting them to a point where they really understand the drivers of the business? You know, if you, if it changes, in other words, if you're buying X for 0.50 cents extra, it completely changes, you know, a huge part, you know, a huge piece of the business. Um, they don't really understand the drivers. Like, you know, so where do you, where do you draw the line? And, and is it kind of like, do you, do you turn them away and say, look, come back when you're at this point or do you, you know, do you yeah. handhold them through the process? How does it work? We used to do a lot of that handholding and a lot of that stack work. I now, now limited to about three meetings or check-ins with the entrepreneur um, before we, we kind of go ahead. But another way that I've 
that I've looked at is actually creating into our software development process, building three phases mm-hmm. and ideation, exploration and creation. And so when somebody comes to me with an idea, you find out where they are in the, in the process. And we have a, a set of tools for each of those steps. So an ideation is clarifying the problem and the solution. Um, and it's, it's using tools like a value proposition canvas. Um, it's, it's mapping out a, a high level user flow of the functionality or how does your, how do you solve this problem for the customers? Mm-hmm. And if you can't, and, and that includes customer interviews, getting some feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, go talk to 10 people. If you can't find 10 people who have the same problem, mm-hmm. Why should we even go to step two? The next step is the exploration step, which is fleshing the idea out a bit more. It's maybe building a a landing page with a a form that captures email addresses to test the value proposition. Mm -hmm. It would be a a wireframes, possibly some design that can feel um, a lot more custom interviews and really looking at a lean canvas around the business model of how is this actually going to work. And and so we've started selling these packages of ideations and explorations Mm -hmm. that actually handhold people through that process to identify what they need to build properly. And part of the exploration is a functional spec where we lay out everything that that we possibly want to build, do a couple of estimates around that. And then from that, we can identify with budget constraints and time and those sort of things. Say, what can we build as an MVP or what can we get to the market first Mm. as the simplest way to solve that the customer's problem? Mm. And and by doing that, that determines what we build in a creation phase. Mm -hmm. So I handhold people through the first two phases Mm -hmm. before we even get to building building software at at that stage. So how do you make your money during those phases? So so we we sell those phases. It's a fixed number of hours. It's normally... A ballpark within a package, yeah. um, but we charge four hours um, for that actual phase. So I do a little bit of, of consulting up front, uh-huh. and, and an ideation will cost you about forty thousand rand. That's mm-hmm. inclusive. Okay. Um, That's uh, cool. Explorations are generally about sixty. So they're not completely unbearable, but it means that we're not doing all that spec work for free, which yeah. is what we used to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get yeah. yeah. I, know. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. For sure. Okay, well, that's cool. It's nice that you have a, a kind of succinct process that you work with, which I think is missing in a lot of um, in a lot of kind of consultative type digital agencies, you know, it's often fly by, <laughs> fly by the seats of your pants and see where you wind up, you know? Yeah. And it's really identifying that sales funnel and actually charging for the different steps as the person moves through the sales funnel. So as you're doing the work, you're acknowledging that it is viable work that you're doing up front and, and having them pay for it. Okay. Cool. Sorry, mate. It's about the SMS. Um, but cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, talking about work that you've done and brands that you've, or startups that you've actually taken to markets. Um, are there any that we would recognize, uh, today? Uh, sure. I mean, the easiest way is probably to jump into a bit of the history of PlayLogic. So okay. it, it started about seven years ago, um, with a guy, Mark Levitt, who's a South African chess champion. Um, and he wanted to create an online chess site. Um, they raised about 25 million rand, grew it to 25 people, and became the largest chess site in the world. Um, about They spent all the money in two years before they found a revenue stream and ended up essentially having to shut the company down. Um, but what Mark did um, was he, he pulled the core team of developers out of ChessCube and put them in a separate company to consult back to ChessCube. So ChessCube's still around. Um, we still keep it live in sort of maintenance mode. There's one full-time employee, he's operations guy. Um, that's, that's been around. And then from that, we kind of did a bit of ad hoc projects, um, a little bit of tech consulting. Yeah. Um, and a couple of years later, Vinnie Lingham, um, came to Mark, who was a, they were, they worked together at Clicks to Customers. Mm-hmm. And Vinnie Lingham said, I've got this idea for mobile, mobile wallets. Um, you've got a tech team. Can you help me build it? So Mark and the, and the PlayLogic's team, um, 
came up with, or created a concept that is that is now gift.com, uh, gyft.com, um, around mobile wallets. And then about uh, two and a half years ago, um, GIF raised about $5.5 million led by Ashton Kutcher. It was their second round. The first one was led by Google Ventures. And part of that round was to position them for an acquisition, which involved moving the core team over to the U.S. Um, to kind of bring bring it as, uh, together as a better package. And that's when Mark brought me in um, to run PlayLogix, pick up the pieces that were left, and try and find a sustainable business model, which had previously run off his engine investing effectively. As he bankrolled it. <laughs> so this gift, we've done uh, some other education platforms. We've just built a, a domestic worker marketplace called Domestly. Um, we've built some of the stuff for the Dragon's Den um, projects. There was a value book and a prop care. Um, so we've done a number of, uh, we've done about 15 projects in the last two years. Is Domestly the um, South African startup that got funded or went through the 500 startups incubator? No, uh, that was actually one of the competitors, SweepSound. Um, okay. But very, very similar play. A okay. um, couple of slight differences, um, but yeah, time will tell. Mm, yeah, no, it always does, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I wanted to just run something past you. There's this old saying, especially when it comes to platforms, you know, that if you build it, they will come. <laughs> um, I have my thoughts on that. Um, I wanted to get your view on that. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to that? Not at all. Um, I think it's very much. Um, around identifying a need for a customer. And to do that, you need to actually go to the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, only once you're solving that need very succinctly and you can articulate it really clearly, will they actually start coming to you. Mm-hmm. So in the early stages of a startup, you're more likely having to go around, shove it down people's throats, mm-hmm. um, then this idea of just building something and, and having people use it. Because the odds of you building something right up front, mm-hmm. the odds of you getting it right mm-hmm. is so, so slim mm-hmm. unless you are the exact profile of your customer mm-hmm. and you have a way of reaching those customers that are exactly like you, mm-hmm. which is very, very unlikely to happen at any kind of meaningful scale. So if you're trying to reach something at scale, it's far easier to go to the customer, build it, find, identify the need and evolve the product through their need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, then they will come. I have a theory around, um, startups should be problem focused, not solution focused. Yeah. So if you're focused on, a, and there's a great, um, uh, 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 diagram on how to build a car, that if you try and build a car, you start with the wheel, then you develop a chassis, then you put the, put the wheel and the chassis together and you build the body and then you build the entire car. Yeah. But at every step in the process, it's an incomplete solution and you have an unhappy customer. Mm. And, and that's if you're, if you're trying to build a car as the solution is a car. But if you're focusing on the problem, i.e. people want to get from point A to B faster, yeah. you start with a skateboard, mm-hmm. then a bicycle, motorbike, and then a car. And the interesting thing about that approach is you might get to the point at a bicycle and say, actually, people don't want a motorbike. They want a tandem bike. And then they want minibuses and you end up at a bus. Mm. And, and so by focusing on the problem, it allows your solution to evolve. Mm. And, and by being customer centric, you can actually build better software that's more relevant to the user. Yeah. And that's when they'll come to you once you've got the buses. Yeah. But they're not going to come to you when you have a skateboard or when you just have a wheel. Okay. Did you make that up yourself, that whole analogy? No, it's actually from uh, on Fast Monkeys. I, I, I saw the diagram and it just really resonated with a lot of what I've what I've yeah. been thinking and, and how we approach software. And it's 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 a it's a customer customer centric. The whole lean startup is around customer centric build uh, build measure learn, mm-hmm. um, and that for me really epitomizes that on 
on the different paths that, that you can go down for. It's one, of the, it's one of the best ones I've ever heard, actually, around this, you know, getting out of the building kind of concept, you know. Another way to sum it up, another great one I heard, I don't know if you coined it, was um, was uh, if you're not uh, embarrassed by your first product that you take to market, you didn't launch quick enough. Yeah. You know, it's that same... Yeah, that's the same thing around. That's about not, not having it too polished. But, I mean, the thing to highlight is a skateboard is not a shitty version of a car. Mm. A skateboard is a real simple solution to get from point A to B faster. Mm-hmm. So it's not trying to be a car. You can make a really amazing skateboard, but it's a skateboard. Yeah. And, and that, for me, is how you build an MVP, is around focusing what is the simplest solution we can make. We can make it really, really slick, but let's make it really simple. Yeah. And that's the real essence around building valuable products and the path you go to build products that develop, develop into something great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, there's a ton of dead end products that are solutions looking for problems and, uh, <laughs> many desks, Google Wave, uh, like, it's, it's out there. I used to use Google Wave. I really <laughs> love that product, actually. Mass <laughs> funded solutions, but, but they were solutions looking for problems. Yeah. And if you build it, if, if you follow the concept of the mantra that build it and they will come, the odds of you building a solution looking for a problem is really, really high. Mm-hmm. But you're better off building a, a, a focusing on a problem and trying different solutions until you find the one that fits. Yeah, and it's such a simple overlooked point, eh? That a yeah, lot of guys starting out actually just don't think about. You know, they get so romanticized and caught up in the idea, but they're <laughs> not focused on, you know, the customer-centric opportunity or problem that's presented. Right. Right, you know. and, and if you're thinking about your solution, it needs to have this and it needs to have that and it certainly wouldn't be complete without Facebook login. Um, <laughs> and you kind of start adding things and adding fluff and yeah. adding float without identifying does adding Facebook login solve this problem for my customer better? And if it doesn't, leave it out of the MVP. We can do it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Ben Horowitz. I don't know if you know who yeah. he is. Yeah, from A16Z. I was reading his book the other day. Um, but basically said there's no silver bullet in the product, you know, and it was so true, you know, adding features is never going to get you <laughs> any further down the line, just burning budget and time. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the business model that makes the business work. The, the product is just a realization. It's just an implementation of that. Yeah. I want to shift um, gears to strategy for a second. Um, when you first joined PlayLogic's, you obviously have to do a lot of, you know, re-engineering of the business, I guess, from a business, business model and value proposition point of view. Um, what was, how would you describe your, your kind of launch strategy at the time? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, so it was a little less of a 
of a launch strategy and more of a how do I stay alive strategy. Um, so we kind of looked at it. I had about three projects that were bumbling along in one way, shape, or form, and we kind of tried to evolve those to keep us going. But the, the process I took was to look look at what key competencies we had and then looked at, at i.e. building fast, agile software. And, and look, looking at my experience in startups and seeing where does that fit in the value chain? Where's the gap in the value chain to be able to deliver with that? And, and the real core that we came up, that I, that I came up with is, is it's, it's really hard to start a startup. Um, and, and part of that is it's really hard to build the right tech, to find a technical co-founder, to, um, to, to really build something reliable and, and having the expertise to be able to build multiple platforms at once, if that's what you need, or, or, or build something very, very fast. And, and so when, when entrepreneurs come up with ideas, or even if you have one, one co- technical co-founder, it's, it's quite a risky thing if the relationship falls apart. It's quite difficult to find technical co-founders. So I, I recommend to everyone, it's always better hire your own team. Mm-hmm. But if you, it's, you can't hire your own team, Come to someone like us. Um, we give you a range of skills on demand that you can scale up, you can scale down so the entrepreneur can manage their burn rate. They can say, I want to spend a hundred thousand rand or 150,000 rand. We'll build this phase and then you can go and play with it and get it to customers. And when you, when you're ready to build the next phase, bring it back. We'll step in again. So it allows you to step in and step out. And if the customer takes an extra three months to sign, that's fine. You're not, you don't have any dev costs. So we'll be working on other projects. Um, so that you're getting a range of skills. So if you're a startup having a very limited budget, you can only, if you employ one or two people, the odds of them being an iOS developer, an app developer, a backend guy, a front end or Android and the odds of having your senior guy Moving pixels around on a on a on a, a web page is really high. So by coming to someone like us, we can throw the right right resources at the thing to, to make your build or make the spend on tech much more efficient. Okay. So there's that as well, and the last thing is just the safety net that we provide. That if something goes wrong or your tech falls over, we can throw three or four people at it, or you land this massive client that is going to make or break the business, but they need it live in two weeks. I've got eight guys we can throw them into the project and we can deliver something in, in two weeks. And, and so that's the kind of safety net that we provide at the very early stage that once the startups get up, they've got traction, we provide the launch pad for them to then hire their own team and become independent. And that's kind of the gap that we identified that we doubled down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a very um, unique um, uh, space to own, I think in the value chain because it is right, especially when it comes to digital, you know, um, it's where do you find the technical prowess to get something actually built. Yeah. But more broader than just building something, because you can go and get it built in India or Philippines or wherever, <clears throat> but actually understanding the business side as well. You know, there's the, the softer side of things. You know, like you mentioned, you're given the platform to, to kind of, uh, to scale up, you know, find the right team and so forth. Yeah. Um, in your view, just in the, on the kind of challenges side of things, uh, it's obviously critical as we, as we've touched on to get out the building. You know, that's a huge challenge. Um, but outside of, of, of building the actual products um, themselves, the interface, if you like, um, <clears throat> well, excuse me, what would you say is the single biggest challenge uh, today for, for entrepreneurs starting out? I mean, is it access to capital? Is it, uh, you know, building the right? Like, what's, what's your player? What's your, what's your kind of view on that? The biggest reason why I think startups fail is because they don't focus. They try and do too much. So, uh, I know that kind of ties in with what we previously said, but for me, that's, that's really 
the, the, the thing that drums home. Um, the, the, other, the second thing that, that I think a lot of people get wrong is they're too focused on their idea and too focused on the value of the idea and not enough on validation and traction in the market. If if you go to an investor with a really slick looking deck, um, with this great concept you want to go and you want to raise two million rand, the investor's gonna look at it, but he's gonna try and poke holes in it and he's he's gonna be quite reluctant to just throw money behind something that has no kind of val- no validation. Whereas if you build like go and concierge it and do it manually yourself, do one thing really well, get fifty people using it, and then go back to that same investor, raise that two billion becomes significantly easier because you can say, here's the data, I need your money to help me grow and improve these bottlenecks in my process. So getting out and getting validation and actual real data to show that you're solving the problem, for me is one of the is the second biggest mistake that people make. Um, and that's a lot harder to do if you're not focused. Yeah. Um, I think there is quite a bit of funding out there. It's, it's not as easy to get as, as in the US or other first world markets. But if you have something you can show that it's working, getting funding is significantly easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think a lot of the challenges is like you say, you have this idea, uh, like there's a guy I'm seeing uh, later today. Um, he's got this idea for basically a collapsible house. Low-cost collapsible house, which basically stacks if you go into air freight containers and so forth. Um, and he's battling to get pre-seed funding. You know, the idea itself, he can build it. He runs a manufacturing uh, outfit up in Haniju here. Um, and, you know, he's battling just to find pre-seed funding to get a prototype built, you know. Um, and that becomes, obviously, that comes way before, you know, in market traction and, and kind of that kind of thing. What are your kind of viewpoints on getting pre-seed funding and, and, and kind of approaching that whole space? Yeah, look, I, I operate very heavily in the tech space um, where building prototypes is quite quick and easy. You can do it in half a day with very limited tech skills um, and mash something together using online tools. Um, but having said that, in, in other spheres, I, I think grant funding um, is very, or sort of early stage funding from NPOs or from from governments is actually really under undervalued. Mm-hmm. Um, things like the Technology Innovation Agency, um, uh, the maybe the CSIR, if there's something unique around it, there's a bunch of strings. Mm-hmm. IDC quite, is another one, I think. Yeah, specifically in um, if you go to the other IDC, but even the the Murray, um, uh, what's it, the Murray Foundation or the Gates Foundation or uh, the Shuttleworth Fund, there's a load of grant places that you can apply for grants if you're doing anything around social good, um, education, mm-hmm. any work in, in rural areas, rural development, there's quite a lot of money out there that actually comes on really, really good terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm not too versed outside the actual tech space, but but there's a lot of places to look like that, that you can get money relatively easy to, to try and develop develop prototypes. Um, as I say, your, your first round is generally from the three Fs, friends, family, and fools. Um, and then then I'd, I'd say your bridge, your grant funding is, is a bridge to get to the point where you're actually looking for angels and, and the angels will come in to build a prototype. Yeah. And, and I think the key thing is also to be looking for the right kind of money at the right business stage. Mm. So a lot of people say it's so hard to raise money. I've got this brilliant idea and none of the VCs want to invest in me. Mm. And it's like, well, VCs don't invest in ideas. They, they invest in own scale businesses. Yeah, yeah. To do a, to invest in an idea to build a prototype, you need angel or seed funding. Mm. Go to accelerators, the business support hubs, go look for grant funding, seed funding. That, that's the right place to look for funding. So applying for the right kind of funding 
at the stage of your business or whatever the, the, the layer of risk you're wanting to remove um, is, is really critical. That's great advice. Well done. Thanks, Roger. Um, I just wanted to talk around again this aspect of, you know, you, t- you touched on it. You actually preempted my question about, you know, I was going to ask you, why do you think most businesses fail <laughs> in the first 12 months? Um, but um, on the on the personal side of things, you know, outside of the actual business world entirely, um, you know, uh, what do you think separates a guy who makes it versus a guy who who does it? I mean, is it their approach from a personal attitude point of view? Is it their uh, their ability to actually execute? You know, what and you because you work with these guys all the time. You know, you must be able to get quite. Or I'm sure you're developing to become quite sensitive to the types of guys that will make it and won't make it. You know? Yeah, uh, look, it's, it's a it's a it's a happy selection or, or happy freedling of the of a, of a selection of skills. Um, so there needs to be optimists. There need to be go getters or hustlers, whatever your favorite term is. Um, there need to be to 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 have some kind of skills in the space or some kind of experience um, or. It, Insane amount of passion for the problem that they're trying to solve, and this is if you if you this is once again back to if you're focusing on a problem, it's easier to get drive and get focused behind a problem than it is to get focused behind a solution or behind a particular app. Yeah. But if you think of how you're making people's lives easier, you can get more passionate behind that. Yeah. So, is there an alignment between the person trying to do it? Do they have the right optimism and, and, and actual like skill sets to understand how technology works or, or what that is? Um, combined with the right kind of passion and experience mm. in that particular in that particular field, that do they really believe in in what they're trying to do? The why, right? It's, it's the, the why. why. It's, yeah. it's it's why you get up. It's what you actually deliver for your for your customers, and yeah. it's why you do what you do. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, you touched on the, or you mentioned the word skills just now. So obviously, with what you do, you need to have a very heavily you know um, skilled up team, right? Deep, diverse, and broad as well. I imagine. Um, how did you go about um, building the right team from the get-go, firstly? And secondly, um, from an operational point of view, how do you um, go about ensuring that they always have the right skills or that you always have the right capabilities in the team? Um, so I had a little bit of a head start in that there was a core team when we when we started. Um, and I've kind of tried to keep that, foster that, and, and grown on top of that. Um, the the way I expand the business is we um, like we sell time. So so I have my core team, and then I have a, a number of, of freelancers or, or contractors that I use on a very regular basis. They come sit in our offices. They're actually on our team page. We 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 work with them, and I treat them as part of the team for the three months or six weeks or however often they're they're, they're in the office. And um, so we kind of expand through flexible workers until I'm at a capacity where I'm using them too much. Then I hire somebody and, and fill that res- and, and fill that capacity. So as a business, that's how I grow. Um, how we keep people is by creating a cool culture, and it's fun. Uh, we play hacky sack at least once a day, if not more. Um, we have a, a row of 180 superheroes, little Marvel superheroes, in our in our portal. We for our Christmas party end of last year, we went to go watch Star Wars: The Force Awakens in 3D um, at, the, at the IMAX as, as our company Christmas party. So it's really about creating a culture and, and rewarding people in, in the way that they want to be rewarded, and making this a place that they want to stay at, that they want to keep working at, um, and, and encourage them to do that. And 
the best recruitment I've, I've found has actually been through the actual developers that I own, the team that I employ, and asking them, do they know of anyone or through friends or friends, and getting, getting leads through that. That's by far been the best way to attract the right talent, is to have people speak positively about the company, and they encourage other people to, to take part. Yeah, and it, I suppose if you don't have the culture and environment rights, they're never going to do that, are they? Totally. And look, it's high stress. So we, we, we're at the, the trenches of every single project we do. It's a startup trench with the right things falling over and not enough money. And yeah. we experience all of that continuously on every project. So it's, you have to keep it fun and you have to keep a lighthearted um, approach to that because otherwise it gets quite, quite stressful and depressing. Yeah, purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Cool. Well, look, um, I wanted to now quickly chat about, you know, we all, it's a journey that we go on, right? Like your clients, they're on a journey on their own equally as are you, myself and everybody uh, watching as well. Um, And obviously as we execute, you know, we're not, no one's perfect. We're going to make lots of mistakes and we're going to take those learnings and kind of, you know, reincorporate them back into, into our strategy and business to ultimately get to the goal that we want. Um, and one of the questions I have for you is, um, in your view, how important is it to learn from other entrepreneurs' mistakes? Um, you know, I've been looking around the market quite a lot. And yes, okay, there's LinkedIn. Okay, you know, it's effectively a community that exists to kind of do or facilitate that kind of thing. I think it does very well. Uh, there's also things like Clarity.fm. I don't know whether you know uh, that platform as well which does a pretty good job if you want to reach out to experts and so forth, but there's not really a local market play here. Um, so, you know, with all that in mind, is, it, is there a place that you go to? I mean, do you, do you adopt that kind of philosophy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's, there's two ways of, of, of getting that information. The one is, is sort of going out to reach it or reading articles. I do quite a lot of reading and engaging, like following blogs and various people on Twitter do kind of stay current with what's going wrong, what they find interesting, and, and pick up trends and that sort of thing. Um, but the second is actually face-to-face engaging with other entrepreneurs or, or other people in a similar space and, and actually making a point of going out and this, doing this whole networking thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really about, about, about being around people who are going through similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways we looked at addressing that, other than going to, to – slightly more regular events or evening events, we've actually started a Wednesday morning coffee, so called Lean Coffee, which cool. follows uh, agile principles where everyone suggests topics and we talk about each one in a time box um, and it moves. We talk about it for five minutes. At the end of it, you vote um, if you want to move on. And then if, if you want to move on, we move on to the next topic. Cool. And we have a backlog doing it a done column. Um, so it runs you through a time box pretty quickly of, of topics. And, and that really brings out a number of questions um, Today, I A-B tested a, a, a UI that we've been developing. We talked about co-working spaces. We talked about um, hiring. We talked about uh, SpaceX and what does that mean? So it's a whole bunch of, so completely, un- it's a way of having a structured, unstructured conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and, and those kind of engagements are really, really valuable on, on, on having a forum where you can ask people questions or bounce ideas of other people and actually get that feedback. Mm-hmm. Cool. I really like that, man. That's really awesome. It's really awesome. Um, so just getting towards the end of the interview, I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) take your time, time. (laughs) rapid fire, but you don't have to answer quickly. (laughs) Um, what's the long-term vision now for, for play logics? I mean, obviously you've, you've kind of 
you, you pulled it out of the fire, if you like, and you've now got an established business model and value proposition and, and, and kind of um, occupied space or monopoly, if you like, within the value chain. So you've done a lot of things right. I mean, what are the next steps for you? How, you know, what's yeah. your kind of future so, so plan? The next bottleneck for us that, that I've identified is, is pipeline. Um, obviously, working with startups, they generally don't have money to build tech until they've raised money. And when they do, mm. then they need to build tech. Um, so our sales pipeline is generally pretty short. It's generally pretty haphazard. Um, and, and so what my goal is for this year is to build up alternative pipelines, um, of deal flow. So we're looking at, at some overseas partners to build tech for startups, um, over there, potentially flying entrepreneurs to South Africa over a three month period, run through, uh, two, two phases, um, two build phases, and then actually send them back to the UK, um, or to uh, San Francisco to actually go and launch the startup. So that's one thing we're exploring. Another one is, is taking that, um, ideation, exploration, creation model, mm. and how do we, and, and formulating our own kind of business, business accelerator. Um, we're going to be calling it the, the lean iterator, um, which is really about how do you, so it's a structured process on how you, you generate ideas or take an ideas with a team mm-hmm. and run them through as many iterations of your, of, of the thing to move it down, down the startup development cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is to get, uh, uh, funding, um, for the, for the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if you get the validation, run 10, 10 ideation, 10 startups through an ideation session. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of that, you have a review and whoever's got the most validation and their idea works, mm-hmm. give them more money and you run them through the exploration phase. So mm-hmm. it would be a 10,000 round phase, a 100,000 round phase and a million round phase mm-hmm. with the money all pre-allocated that whoever can show the most validation through that phase mm-hmm. moves into the next phase. And you have a sort of forced bottleneck in competition mm-hmm. to, get, quality um, to, gets, to get money through that. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's another way. And then obviously having play logics and, and some other partners um, to be the suppliers actually doing the work and, and helping um, helping provide the resources that the startups need at the various various steps so that's another channel that we're looking at um, and so I mean that's the, the big step for me is 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 building our pipeline and that's meant that we're developing this this lean iterator and, and a real program of how you do structured innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step is, is for, the step is to first get that right with building for startups mm-hmm. and then potentially looking at that model and that process and how can that apply to, to people needing to do R&D or corporates wanting to do I- innovation development. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can have a structured program that can generate, throw 10 ideas into the mix and have a process on how you run those through, how, how you justify whether they, they, they move on or whether they die. Um, that, that you can create, uh, innovation, innovative product development, mm-hmm. uh, within a time box. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the next step for, for yeah. Logics is to continue what we're doing, but sort of branch out into this, this iterator model. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as an aside, the reason we chose iterator is for some accelerator to try and get the business from point A to point B as fast as possible, trying to get them to grow as quickly as possible. And iterators to try and get them to run as through as many cycles as possible. So the focus is on, on continuously testing instead Uh of just moving faster. Uh I like it. I like it a lot. It speaks a lot to what you guys do in your philosophy. Yeah. And it's really been born out of the need. We started trying to build for startups and then realized we need this component to identify what they build. And the next component is finding a, a pipeline of funded startups to do that. And hopefully the lean iterator will provide funded ideas through the pipeline that can help play logics grow. Okay. Awesome, dude. It's very exciting, man. I wish you guys all the best in that journey. Hey, wow. Yeah. Um, couple more. Uh, always ask this one. 
in fact, the last two, if there was one piece of advice you would give uh, to entrepreneurs or uh, and or startups today, what would that uh, piece of advice be? Um, the biggest advice is probably to focus. Um, focus on doing less, focus on being concise, and focus on the problem. Um, if you're doing that, it helps you articulate why people want you and helps you cut through the clutter and the noise really, really easily. Um, as soon as you try and dilute your offering or you try and do too much, it's very difficult to get that early traction that a startup needs and it's very difficult for you to stand out in the way that you actually need to. That'll give you success. So it's around focusing on on the problem and, and, and building as concise a solution as possible. Because if you can build that, you'll know whether it's working or not. And if it's not working, you know what's not working. If you're building three things or there's three different features or aspects to what you're doing and it's not working, you're not quite sure what it is that you need to change. Yeah. Whereas if you're building something really simple, you can normally make a change and see the impact of that change really, really easy. And that feedback is critical in identifying the correct solution or the best solution for that problem. Awesome, man. Very cool. One last thing. Um, you mentioned or we discussed the why earlier on in the interview. I just wanted to ask you, what's your why? I mean, what gets you out of bed as an entrepreneur in the morning? Um, the, my big why is to create value. Um, I, I, I love creating value for myself, just in general in the world. Um, that means creating value for myself. It means creating value in my relationship. And it means really creating value in, 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 the, in the ecosystem. So, and, and, and to create value sustainably, you need to be able to create products, you need to create things that scale, that, that will help other people grow. And you do that by, by making money and by helping other people make money. And so really this whole concept of me running a business that makes money by helping other people build businesses mm -hmm. is really a performance of, of that idea of value, of creating more value and helping others create value. Awesome, man. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Roger, thanks so much for your time. I know we overshot this one uh, a little bit, but um, we covered a lot of ground, I think. I think we've got a very solid understanding now as to what you guys do. Uh, I'm very excited about uh, watching what very closely what's going to happen with PlayLogix. Who knows where, where you might you know wind up? <laughs> the whole world's looking at Africa, you know. So. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And if, if there's anything else that's unclear or, or there's, there's various different aspects on this, I've got a, a book that's going to be released um, a bit later this year, I'm hopefully, um, called Start Here. Um, and so keep an eye out for that. And it, it, the book is really about it's the answer to what if the what next question when you have an idea or want to build a startup. Mm -hmm. So if you have an idea, what do you do next? And once you've done that, what do you do next? Yeah. It's a high-level guide that runs you through the process of, of doing product development, specifically awesome. around startups, which is a lot of what I've been saying now and yeah. how you actually do that. Awesome, man. So you're going to be a published author as well, hey? Just another uh, feather in your cap. Self-published <laughs> author, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. And uh, how do you guys keep in touch with you if they want to reach out to you? So the, the best way is probably on Twitter, um, at Roger Norts, that's R-O-G-E-R-N-O-R-T. Otherwise, via PlayLogics, um, you can do that. Um, and my book's going to be available on leanpub.com slash start dash here. Awesome. Okay, cool, dude. Lacco, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll catch up soon, hey? Great. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank Bye, buddy. Cheers, cheers. Remember that the show is now on iTunes, so please head on over and either write us a review or subscribe for new episodes. And if you'd like to be an exclusive real-time participant on our next Digital Kung Fu live show, then visit our website at digitalkungfu.co.za forward slash live to get early bird VIP access.
Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients clients haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.